Hello and welcome once again to um, our short interviews uh, exploring what is church. Thanks so much for coming back if you've watched the previous ones. And if this is your first one, do please make sure to check out the others. Uh, and as always, make sure that you can like and share this video. Pass it on to anybody you think might want to um, check it out. Today, I'm very excited to have a guest who is incredibly busy doing God's work across the way. Um, the, the truth is he holds many titles, and, and to get them right, I have to make sure I read them. So here we go. He uh, has held positions both nationally and internationally, uh, which include um, the Free Churches Moderator. He's also one of the presidents of Churches Together in England. And he's also a co-chair of the UK Charismatic and Pentecostal Leaders Conference. And he's currently also serving as the founding president of Churches and Communities International. Um, please help me and join me in welcoming Dr. Hugh Osgood. Hey, Adrian, <laughs> great to see you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. It, it definitely, from, from everything I've just read, it sounds like you're a very, very busy man. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think I guess you're busy too. I mean, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? Life Absolutely. keeps you busy. <laughs> so for, for those of you who might not know much of you or, or what you do, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of what your roles entail and what you, what you get up to on a day-to-day? -day? Oh, well, my day-to-day -day life, it's quite varied, probably like yours. You know, there's plenty of things go on. Uh, even in lockdown, you know, I, I tell you what I do miss. I do miss traveling between meetings. You know, I didn't realize how much that gives you a chance to gain perspective on where you've come from and where you're going to. You know, when you go from Zoom call to Zoom call, it can be just a little bit confusing. But yeah, no, life in lockdown is, is, is quite busy, but so is life outside of lockdown. Um, I guess my life's a little bit different from yours in that, uh, you know, you're, you're busy in the local church. These days I'm, I'm dealing on a, a national scale and sometimes an international one. So uh, the role of Free Churches moderator means I actually sort of have to represent, I guess, about 28% of the churches in uh, England and Wales. So that includes the Methodist, the Baptist, United Reformed Church, Salvation Army, uh, Congregational Federation, Assemblies of God, most of the Pentecostal denominations, black and white. So it, it's, quite, it's quite a privilege. And so that means that, uh, you know, from time to time, I'm, I'm having conversations with the archbishops. And, and uh, yeah, so it's a different world, really. I never thought I'd be part of this, but that's the way it goes. But God definitely had a plan for you to use you mightily. <laughs> that's amazing. So to be fair, then, the, the question of what is church must be a, a really big one for you, considering you represent such a variety of, of expressions of church. Uh, and, and for us as a, as a local church, we've been on this journey. Um, and, and part of this lockdown period has really led us to really start thinking and praying about what, you know, life post-COVID will look like. Um, you know, we are a church that prior to this didn't have any online services. We had our, our sermons were recorded and put on our website, but that's about it. Um, we had no visual uh, interaction. You know, our, our social media existed, but was very reduced in terms of interaction compared to now. And so it's gotten us thinking, you know, what is church? You know, when, when we open up the building again, do we just go back into that and go back to normal? And I think we've come to the conclusion that, well, no, we, we can't do that. Uh, but it's led us to explore what is church. And, and, and this series of it just had conversations with different people wondering what is church in one respect to you and maybe what God might be revealing in terms of what it looks like for us as an individual church, but also as a global church to be the church post this strange world that we currently live in. Yeah, the interesting thing for me is that I suppose if I look at my life's journey, obviously I was brought up in a local church situation, um, went through different changes in that denominationally. I mean, 
my grandparents were Salvation Army officers, so I had that kind of experience. And then my early preaching experience was in the Methodist Church, and I married a Baptist. And uh, yeah, I've been, so I'm, I'm, I'm very quite ecumenically minded from from across the board. It seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I, at one point I was seriously considering, um, you know, going into the Anglican ministry. But where I ended up um, was that um, whilst I was a student, I felt a really strong call to the mission field. And so um, we, we looked very early on, just before we were married, about working in Africa as missionaries. So that actually had an, a, an effect on me. It made me realize that when you become a member of a local church, you actually become a member of the global church at the same time. You don't have to get a, a separate application ticket. You know, I've joined the local one. Now can I join the global one? It's That's just good. the amazing way that God is. He, he takes us as living stones and he builds us into his church. And that means locally, nationally, globally, we're part of God's family. And, and so that, I mean, that's an amazing, uh, uh, I guess, maybe revelation that you had. And one that I think, I think possibly many people possibly quite struggle with. Um, I, I think the truth is that you can, you can feel part of something local because you, you see it, you engage with it, you encounter it. Um, but then being part of something global feels almost impossible, um, especially when we start talking about maybe the manifestation of the, of the way church looks. Um, you know, we have a stereotypical views of the church in the West compared to a church in the East or, or in, in Latin America or Africa. Um, so, so how do you think, what, what is our role in that sense of, okay, I'm a, I'm a member of the global body. What, how should we as individuals maybe step into that and own that a little bit more? Well, the interesting thing is that at one point I would have said to you, actually, as you go around the world, the church is so diverse. And yet, incredibly, thanks to the Internet and all the things like we're discovering now, is the church is becoming remarkably similar. You know, I remember when I used to go regularly and minister in Pakistan, the worship sounded like Bollywood. You know? okay. <laughs> now, if I go there, the church has responded, in a sense, to the whole sort of global situation so you know, it's very interesting to see and yet of course there there is a sense in which the global church always has to be localized it has to also have a a, a reference point into the community otherwise it it, it, it loses its relevance so it, it's great to get the big picture but you know you also need to see that the big picture has to focus down into the local situation Okay, so then let's unpack that a little bit more because I guess some people watching this might be saying, hey, you're, you're talking about the word church and you're talking about it globally and locally, but then what, what is church? I mean, we've described that, I guess, as, as when you become a member or a part of, you know, you give your, your, your life to Jesus, you become a part of the local church, so you're part of this, this larger group, I guess, of people. So the church is a people. We got that. But then yeah. what does that look like? What is it, you know, what, what is church? Well, I, you know, I'm one of these people who's always fascinated about what it was like at the beginning. And uh, I'm just really interested. I, I've been involved in so many major evangelistic campaigns, you know, and you come to a point when you do the altar call and you generally go on to autopilot. You say, now there are four things you've got to know. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to meet with other Christians and you've got to witness. And the interesting thing is when I look in the book of Acts, Peter seems to have forgotten to say all of that. <laughs> it just it's wasn't like, on his mind, was it? No, he's he, done his big call, you know? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he gets a response of 3,000. Yeah. And the incredible thing is he doesn't say, now tomorrow morning I want you to meet in Solomon's porch so that we can teach you. And then I want you to pray. 
and then I want you to have fellowship in your homes, and then I want you to tell other people. It was like it just happened because they'd been transformed, and some of these things were just passions where previously they'd not even been on their agenda. Suddenly they were sort of like born again with a passion on the inside them, passion to meet with other people, a passion to get to know God's word, a passion to pray, passion to share with other people. And, and to me, that's church. It's, it's passionate people finding connectivity. And, uh, okay. and that's, I love that. <laughs> so so that, that's, that's interesting because then that's, that's a big, almost a big caveat, actually. It's not just people um, that, that love Jesus, but it's passionate people that forms the church. Um, now, there'll be some watching this that kind of go, well, hold on. The, the, what you've described, uh, that passion, I can get behind, but I don't manifest that passion. Um, you know, <laughs> I, probably I don't manifest for about it. a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think we, I mean, we do, in, in, in earnest, we do talk about, you know, the, the, the oftentimes that, that, that journey of when we first come to know Jesus. Like if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, I, I didn't grow up as a Christian. And so I remember when I first became a Christian, that passion that you described bubbling up inside of me going, yes, I want to tell everybody. I want to live it out. I want to go to church. I spent every possible moment I could in church. But then, praise God, I'm back there. But, but there was a, a journey in life where actually there wasn't that, um, where, where that kind of dwindled. And, and we often refer to that, those, you know, those, or, or the festival highs, as we talk about. You know, you gather at a big conference, at a big festival, gathered with hundreds, if not thousands, and you feel lifted up, passionate, ready to keep on giving for, for the kingdom. And then you kind of get back home and you, you know, reality sets in, life sets in, and you kind of go, oh. So, so if, if passionate people is part of what makes up church, how do we ensure that that passion sticks with us? Not just in those amazing big moments, Kairos moments, you know, not just in those big um, you know, festivals or just coming to faith moments. How do we hold on to that passion when we're locked in our houses and not being able to leave or when we're in, in a valley, which is really difficult to maybe see you enlighten, how do we journey that? Well, first of all, we have to realize that the passion is, own, it's, the passion is enhanced by our relationship with one another. The passion really comes from our relationship with God. So whether we're in lockdown or not, we've still got that relationship. We've still got that connectivity, but certainly coming together enhances it. You know, what you carry in God, will bless me and build me up. And I think one of the things that we've done over the years is we've, we've, they talk about the new normal, you know, don't they at the moment, they're going to say, we're going to come out of lockdown. There's going to be a new normal. I think yeah. I'm waiting to see what this new normal is because <laughs> I, I remember, you know, that, that when I was sort of born again as an enthusiastic young Christian, there were people around me who were saying, don't worry, you'll calm down soon. And it was almost like, and if you don't win, make sure you do. Wow, <laughs> so really? It was almost like that the normal that I was being introduced to within a local church context was very different from the normal that I was experiencing. So I was trying to adjust to a new normal that wasn't entirely normal. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can, can you settle to apathetic church? I, I will do my best. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and that's interesting though, because I guess that's a... I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I, I said, if I said I hadn't experienced some of that as well. I mean, for me, uh, you may not know this, but I'm originally from England. I'm originally from, from the UK, but left when I was really young, came to faith in the US. Uh, and my faith was, you know, in a big church, um, you know, relatively charismatic, happy clappy, as, as some would describe it. Although in the grand scheme of things, probably not 
as happy copy as you could get. But I remember when I came over here, when I first moved over to the UK, the, the first three or four months for me were a real struggle because everywhere I went, um, people were lovely, they were loving, they were welcoming, but they were very much like, oh, it's because you're American. You know, <laughs> your, your, your passion, your enthusiasm, your loudness, your boisterousness, is it's because you're American. And I was like, no. <laughs> I've got plenty of American friends who are nothing like me. <laughs> it's because I'm, I'm passionate about Jesus. Um, and, and I'd be lying to say that I haven't struggled with that through the years um, and had to almost rein myself in sometimes in the contexts that I've been in. And, you know, I justify it with, you know, as Paul said, to a Jew, I'm a Jew, to a Gentile, I'm a Gentile. So there's that moment of actually in my spheres, in my circles, I have to adjust. But, but what does that say about us as the church, as a people, if we're almost trying to unpassion, depassion ourselves? Is that even a term? I, like, what do we say to that? How do we address that issue in terms of being church? I think being there for one another when we're going through tough times is really important. Um, and I think that one of the things I've learned is that what I carry can actually be a blessing to other people. But actually also, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm determined to sort of dampen everything down, I can actually be quite successful at doing that as well. So, so there's a responsibility to, to, to get it right, I think. You know, the, the life inside us should be, should be there. I, it's very interesting when Jesus met the woman at the well. Her question was, the, the well is deep and you've got nothing with which to draw. And, and that sounds like so many Christian contexts where I've been in and they say, well, the joy is deep, you know, and I think so deep that no one can even see it. Um, but the way that Jesus talks was fascinating because he said, yeah, but the water that I'm going to give you is going to be a well that springs up. So in other words, it's like saying, you know, you don't just find it in the depth. You're going to find it on the surface. Um, and that's part of what I, I sense we need to, to be able to realize that the life that we've got inside us should be expressing itself on the surface. And I think one of the tricks that we get laid on us is, you know, for goodness sake, calm down because you're going to embarrass everybody. Um, but in some ways, you know, I think we've, we've, we've got to allow ourselves to be who we are in Christ. Yeah, there are going to be times when it's tough. But if we get alongside people when it's tough that are prepared to lift us up, then there'll be other occasions when people are coming to us and say, can you lift me up too? Yeah. And I think that's part of what it is. You know, I, I do realize we have ups and downs, but we can be there for one another in those times. Absolutely. I, I just want to pick up on something you just said, because I think it's, it's crucial and, and can probably work both ways in that you said it's important that we allow ourselves to be ourselves, that we allow each other to be ourselves. Um, and I think that's quite important because I think for some people watching this, they're going to turn around and say, actually, I'm, I'm just not a, a, an extroverted, charismatic person. And Adrian, you're telling me that for me to be passionate, I have to be jumpy, happy, clappy. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> which we're not saying. Uh, but equally, what we are saying is that actually, if there are those around you who are, it's okay, welcome them. And if you're not, and, and you're, or you're one of those people that is, well, actually, it's okay to welcome those around you who aren't as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I know the passion's on the inside. I think one of the things we've just got to be aware of is that if we're being ourselves, you know, I, I, I used to struggle with this thing about, you know, we're, we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, because it, it could be a recipe for hypocrisy, you know. Yeah. Today, I'm going to be extra sanctimonious because I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and yet it isn't that. Um, and uh, 
I, I heard a story years ago about a, a, a situation in India where the Communist Party of India actually was saying, if you join the Communist Party, you get a new suit. And the church was saying, how can we compete with that? You know, that they're being offered a new suit. And, and the answer was that, that they came up with was great. Yeah, the Communist Party might give you a new suit, but only Jesus can give you a new man to put inside it. Oh, <laughs> was, that is awesome. That, that was amazing. absolutely great. But when we put on Christ, we're actually putting on something that fits because the new man inside us is actually that shape. And, and so to actually live our lives as Christians, expressing outwardly what, what's there inwardly is not hypocrisy. Amazing. So, so I'm just trying to then maybe wrap my head around it. We're, we're, okay, so we're saying there's, there, you know, the church is, is a passionate group of people, and that passion comes from their relationship with Jesus, their relationship with God, the fact that they've experienced, uh, you know, salvation, they've, they've got him, they've understood what that looks like. My next question then becomes, what does it look like for that to be lived out? Um, given and, and maybe even beyond what we're thinking, and obviously, is, you know, your experience has been different churches, different places. You've seen probably a lot of context, so maybe you can draw from some of that. What does it look like for us? I think, you know, generally speaking, the, the church in the West has been was has been painted in a certain way. Uh, whether we agree with it or not, there are there are views of it. Um, but the truth is that this kind of history period that we're living is an opportunity for the the church in the West and church worldwide to truly rethink what we're doing, how we gather, how we as a passionate group of people who love Jesus gather and live out our faith. So what could that look like given where we're at now? I think the biggest thing for me is that, I mean, I, I walked into a world where everyone was talking about church unity in a kind of organizational way. You know, if I sit down and look at your creedal statements and you look at my creedal statements, can we do enough juggling to actually end up agreeing with each other? And I, I'm so far away from that. Um, I, you know, I don't think Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples in that you've agreed your creedal statements. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and I don't worry that there are so many different expressions of Christianity. I, someone interviewed me once and they said to me, don't you think that the fact that there are so many different churches will put people off Christianity? And I said, well, having so many different supermarkets doesn't put people off shopping. And, uh, and you know, there's a sense in which I've come to realize that the diversity that's there in the church, the diversity that's there in personality style in the local church, the diversity there that's in worship style across the whole breadth of church, it's actually a fantastic opportunity because Jesus didn't say creedal statements will define you. He said, it's your love for one another that will define you. And I, I really believe that. And, and, and in a sense, part of that passion that we have for the Lord should also be expressed in a passion for one another. Um, in the, you know, I, I knew that I'd become a Christian because actually people in the Christian union that I didn't want to have anything to do with the university I suddenly changed my attitude to them. And I knew what it meant in John's letter when he said, by this you know you pass from death to life in that you love the brethren. There was a change. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's great. And that leads me, I mean, I guess on to, to, to um, so I'm very ecumenically minded as well. Uh, I'm part of the, the Cambridge Ecumenical Council. And, 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 and I believe the first time I actually saw you was at the Ecumenical Forum, uh, the Churches Together Forum. And 
again, a lot of those conversations were very much, you know, unity from that perspective of, of, of creeds and, and, and our church history, which I hasten to add is incredibly important. I think we need to, we need to hold on to those things. Um, but what I've discovered in, in conversations both at that form and beyond is that oftentimes people have um, this sense of what they believe is right. And they hold themselves to that. And for whatever reason, their, their us being right has stopped um, the engagement with other passionate people, has stopped that loving of others. Um, and they've excused it possibly by saying, well, you know, just because I love you doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you. Fair enough. And, and my telling you that you're wrong is me telling you in love. Um, <laughs> which, you know, there are ways to disagree rightly um so i, I guess my, my my follow on from there is what does it what does it look like what do you believe is is our way forward where obviously through history we have landed in these places where we obviously have joined denominations or churches or whatever based on the fact that we have, have thought and prayed and, and believe that our interpretation is correct how do we then move forward passionately and lovingly with those who are possibly on complete opposite spectrums of our understanding and interpretation of things uh, well for me it's a case of the more you listen to them the more likely they are to listen to you <laughs> so i haven't actually shifted my view on anything really i still you know i'm still the same sort of conservative evangelical that i always was and yet at the same time i know that if i want to share what i feel and and the things i really feel strongly then i need to listen to where other people are coming from and the interesting thing I've found is that actually, as you're listening to other people, it doesn't change what you believe, but very often it enables you to reprioritize what you believe. So in other words, things that you might have thought were the biggest issue, you suddenly realize, actually, that's not as big as this issue. Mm. So it's not that you're deprioritizing in, in the sense of putting things down, but sometimes it's a case of lifting things up, that this is something that I would really be prepared to, 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 you know, to stand for come what may. So I find that. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's what it's done for me, actually, all this kind of engagement with people. That's fantastic. And so then there's a real sense that suddenly the church is a group of passionate people who love Jesus, who want to love one another and are actually willing to listen to one another. So there's that real sense of, of, of communication and engagement, which, to be fair, the church has probably been criticized for, for decades, if not centuries, for, for not listening, um, for for rightly or wrongly again some of us would disagree with that statement but as non-christians look in oftentimes that's what's said um that's fascinating so you've given us some amazing things to really think about and 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 chew on if you will but i, I wonder if there was if there was one thing that you could say to to all of us or anybody watching this that, that really drives their thinking about what it means for them to be the church and what the church is meant to be uh, what would that be it would be the fact that actually when you committed your life to Christ as a believer, you were transformed into being a living stone and that God is building his church with living stones. And you might not feel like it every day. Some days you might feel like a dead stone. But actually, as far as God is concerned, when he looks at you, you're no longer the dead stone that you once were. You're the living stone that he wants you to be. And uh, the more we take hold of that and the more we appreciate that, then I think that that actually brings something into the local church and into the global church as well. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I really want to, I said that was the last thing, but I want to unpack that living stone thing. So where do we draw that from? I mean, if, if someone's maybe stepping into this and kind of going, actually, what, what do you mean by a living stone? I build with stones. How can you be a living stone? What, what does that mean in terms of our faith and, and where do we get that from? Well, definitely. If you look at first Peter chapter two, you'll find it in there. 
And it's very interesting that everyone makes this big thing about Peter being the foundation of the church. But as far as he was concerned, he was just a living stone being built in just like everyone else. And so uh, I think that's if we can see that and we can appreciate that. And, uh, you know, that verse that I picked up in First John earlier, by this we know we've passed from death to life. That, that is the transformation that happens when we commit our lives to Christ. And it's just realizing that we have crossed that line and that God now sees us as living stones that really makes a difference. It's so good. I think uh, it's just amazing. Thank you so much. I, to summarize, I guess I'm going to just say, if I could put it in a sentence, I don't know that I can, but it, you know, we're seeing the church be a group of passionate people, those living stones that are actually being built together to build the church, that we are in fact the building of the church, to live out our lives and our faith passionately as we love one another, moving together to listen to one another in the unity that Christ has prayed for us to have. Amen. You said it better than I did. You don't need me on this call, Adrian. Well, no, no, those, that's all your thoughts. Just trying to condense it. There we go. Um, Hugh, as we wrap up, would you be able and willing to just pray for us and for any who might be watching? Yeah, sure. Father, it's a real privilege to be able to talk about you and to share your life and your love and the light that you bring into our lives. And I just pray for everyone watching that, that this moment will be a moment when they're just able to reflect and think, God, I want to thank you for all the provision that you've made for my life. And I want to thank you, Lord, that in accessing this provision, you bring transformation. And we want to thank you for that transformation. And may it be expressed in our local churches and in the global church too, to the praise of your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Hugh. That was amazing. Loads for us to unpack and really dive into as individuals and as a church. Thanks, Adrian. And thanks so much to you for watching this. If you like what you've seen or what you've heard, please do make sure you give it a like and a share. And also make sure you're following us so you can stay up to date with all the different interviews that are going on as we continue to explore what is church. If you've got any questions or something that you want to add to the conversation, do make sure to comment below and let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to journey this together. We don't always promise answers, but we're definitely in for exploring what it means to be the church. What is it? What is church? Until next time, I hope you stay blessed.